back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in sunny, scenic, beautiful quarantine, Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising, happy to be back here with you for a Another week. Hope you guys are living right, feeling well at 2-0. If you're a Titans fan, if you're a Vols fan, you have football on the horizon. It is a great week to be a sports fan in the state of Tennessee. What we have prepared for you today is a conversation with some new friends that we hope to add to our regular rotation of cast of guest co-host characters that stop by this podcast on a regular basis. Jason Martin and Ramon Foster. J-Mart and Ramon, the radio show on 104.5 The Zone, the new morning show on 104.5 The Zone. A lot of you guys know Jason Martin. Many more of you, not, not, not that it's any slight against Jason, but many more of you know Ramon Foster from his time, of course, as a Tennessee Vol and as a Pittsburgh Steeler, a Super Bowl champion as well. We had the boys on to discuss the Titans and Jags game to discuss Mike Vrabel's lack of defensive coordinator and whether that's leading or contributing to any of the struggles that that unit seems to be having. We also talked a little bit about the Tennessee Vols at South Carolina to open the season and the level of importance that that game carries for them to be able to start 1-0 in this 10-game SEC slate. We'll have five good minutes on all of the injuries that took place in the NFL in Week 2 and how that's kind of shifted the balance of power in a way that happens every year, but this year it's happened even more blatantly so early in the season. We'll get to all of those great things coming up right after I tell you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. It's the Amazon experience. That is what they are offering you, among many other services that they're offering you out at Mount Juliet, just off Belinda Parkway, east of BNA, where the dealership is located. The Amazon experience, you guys know how it works. I've talked to you about this before. It makes things easy, fast, and most importantly, convenient. That's what they've got going on for you at Two Rivers Ford. If you want to test drive a vehicle but don't have the time to go to the dealership itself, You can schedule the test drive online or over the phone, and they'll bring the vehicle to you. They'll literally drive the vehicle to your house. It's like the instead of getting an Amazon package on your doorstep, you you look outside, and there's an electric Ford Mustang sitting out there with one of their fine team members prepared to accompany you on your test drive. If you know what you want, you can save yourself all the hassle and go through the entire purchasing process online. It's all at your fingertips at tworiversford.com. Check them out. Two Rivers Ford, powered by Ford, and just like this show, driven by people. Let's get to J. Martin Ramon. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford. We got some new faces here on the show. We like to bring in the, well, they're not new faces. You guys know who these who these two gentlemen are who are joining us on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. But we try and bring in a pretty regular rotation of all of my media friends 
here to have discussions. And now we get to add to this rotation. See, you guys didn't know you were signing up for something that may be semi-regular uh, when I uh, reached out to you to do the pod. But we got Jason Martin. We got Ramon Foster of J Mart and Ramon. The brand new, not brand new, but new morning show there on 104.5, 6 to 9 a.m. is where you can jam with the boys. Of course, the podcast also available wherever it is that you get your podcast. Ramon, it's the first time meeting you. Happy to have yeah. you here. J-Mart, uh, you and I go back, so it's good to be able to do this for the first time, boys. Thanks for hanging out. It is, man. I told Ramon this morning, you don't make it unless you get invited on the 615 <laughs> sessions. <did>. So. <laughs> he did. We've made it, at least locally, man. We're, we're on now. Nah, nah, nah. This is, this is, uh, this is, the, uh, this is about the lowest. Uh, it's good because it's loose. But this is about the lowest-ranking media appearance you two will ever do in your entire life, and that's what we—that's what we strive for. That's where we try to exist. This is down in the gutter down here with me, Ramon. It's a new—we'll get to know each other more uh, over the course of our time in Nashville media together. But Jmart knows yeah. how I do things. It's down, down, down and dirty. Yeah, man. You know, you, know you set a low—you set a low bar. And then it's easy to clear, right? Is that, is that the way you go? No, I'm kidding, man. You you bust your ass, man. I, I told Ramon that this morning. You worked ridiculously hard, and you have – I haven't bought the Birkenstocks yet, but I've been, like, looking at them for over a year now. I'm looking at some gray ones, maybe some blue ones coming up, uh, some some of the Arizona joints. So, I know that was you a couple years ago at camp. I saw you wearing Burks, and I'm like, man, I haven't had Burks since I was going to fish concerts in high school – uh, it might be time to dust some of those back off. So that's probably going to be in the wardrobe next year. That's a buck rising thing. I don't know if that's good for my wife, but that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, decidedly against my girlfriend's wishes, the Jerusalem <laughs> Jerusalem cruisers. But for trading camp, there can be no more comfortable shoe uh, than oh, the Birkenstocks, wow. even though I, my feet are zebra striped on a regular basis. <laughs> I really, I really thought about getting some of those, but I didn't know if I would be justified because that was a high school thing. So I'm like, if I get them now, am I reverting back to who I was or am I good to go? You tell me, am I good to go or not if I get them? Oh, baby, you're good to go. You're good okay. to go. Okay. You're cruising. You got it. Listen, okay. it's a, it, everything is, uh, is only old until it becomes new again. That's why my fat ass is squeezing into skinny jeans on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, we, we won't it's, comment on that. It's but. the circle of life. I look good in them, J-Mart. You don't got to okay, lie to okay, me. Buddy. It's all right. All right, buddy. <laughs> I'm all right with that. So we're gonna we're gonna talk some shop today with the boys. We're gonna talk about uh, their their new show, obviously debuting a couple weeks ago and thriving in the Nashville market. All of these things, but we 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 got a Titans game that we got to break down. There was a big game yesterday played against a divisional opponent. Uh, the first game that I've got to cover in person in the middle of this COVID nineteen season, and it is uh, it was thoroughly nice. disorienting. But it was, uh, it was good to be back, uh, at least semi in the swing of things. And the, t- the Titans got a win, 33-30 to over the Jacksonville Jags. It came down to the wire, as these guys are known to do it. But uh, here lately, they end up on the right side of things. There was a lot of stuff to take away. We're going to talk about Ryan Tannehill's performance. We're going to talk about the defense's lack of performance and what may need to be done. And since... Ramon and J-Mart, J-Mart and Ramon, however you want to put it. I guess J-Mart and Ramon is the show, but we will, uh, we will not discriminate based on who's the headliner and who's not here. Uh, we will also spend a little time because uh, Ramon Foster's Vols open up this weekend against yeah. the South Carolina Gamecocks. We've got to hit a little college football on the way out the door. But, boys, I guess, uh, I guess let's, start, let's start with the game that was played as we taped this yesterday at Nissan Stadium, a home opener without fans. 
Ryan Tannehill out there slinging it for four touchdowns, almost a perfect passer rating. Yeah. In a shootout with the mustached Minshew mania yeah. that I was not ready for. What was your initial takeaway? J-Mart, I'll start with you on how that game came to be. Uh, well, it was obvious that the Jaguars said, all right, Tannehill is going to have to beat us. And you look at it, no A.J. Brown. That's the right calculus. That's the right math to do if you're the Jags to say, well, we're not going to let Derrick Henry kill us. He's done that too much in the past. So let's see if Tannehill can do this with everybody on that receiving core having to step up a degree with A.J. Brown out. And what they found out is what everybody in the NFL seems to be figuring out, and certainly the fans of the NFL, which is Tannehill without Adam Gase ain't bad when he's healthy. I mean, this dude is super accurate. His numbers are off the charts right now. And since he took over this football team, they're 11 and four, Buck. I mean, there's, it's right there. It's, I, I was, whatever skepticism I might've had is gone. I said this morning on the radio that I believe this dude can get it done. I believe this is the kind of guy that can get you to a Super Bowl. Now he's not ever going to be Patrick Mahomes, but maybe you don't need him to be. I think the most effective thing that's happened for the Titans is the narrative is now pick your poison. It's not stop the run or stop Marcus a few years ago or whatever. They can do both, and they can do both at a very high level. And when you have that, then you're, then you're a much more well-rounded offense. So, I mean, I, I felt very optimistic uh, about that pass attack because they dared Ryan Tannehill to beat him, and he tore him apart. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with that. I, Tannehill now in these first two games is the reason they're winning. We're talking about this year for sure. He is the reason that they're winning. Yeah, Derrick Henry is a guy that continues the game going on, but the way Tannehill has been able to create when you see teams are, are, are on Derrick Henry about stopping the run. Like, that's what teams are going to do. That's why, that's why the open pass to Jonah was so big at the first play of the game. It's because they are adamant about stopping him. And Tannehill has taken upon himself to bring this team under him in the sense of him being the leader, bring this team to realize that, hey, we can be a multidimensional team. And I'm glad to see it because a guy like him usually don't get a second chance in this league. You see guys like a guy like Andy Dalton, who's in Dallas right now. He'll probably forever be behind Dak Prescott because Dak is not going to give uh, give up the opportunity to let him shine. And now it, Tannehill was in a position last year where he was able to show that he was worthy of being the starter. And not only that, you get rid of their original first-round draft pick and commit to him monetary-wise and team and offensive coordinator and coaching culture-wise to say, hey, he's our guy moving forward. And that's huge. That shows stability and it shows – there's a whole lot of trust in him. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. If you, since you mentioned Minshew, we can talk about Minshew real fast. Sure. Uh, that dude is making his claim that the Jags don't need Trevor Lawrence. He's trying. Uh, and if it's not there, somebody should pay Gardner Minshew. Because I look at that guy and I'm like, he's fearless. There were a couple of moments there where that team could have gotten blown out and Minshew just came out there with ice in his veins, regardless yeah. of the couple of bad throws he might have played or might have made, he just he just rolled out there and got it done. I was super impressed. Now, we can pick apart the Titans' defense, which I'm sure we will throughout the course of this, but he made the throws. There was nothing about that that looked game manager-ish to me. That was, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win this football game, and he did. I mean, I, I think this Jaguars team is going to surprise people. They're not going to win a lot of games, but they're going to make other teams earn it. Oh, no, uh, they're going to win definitely playing as a team. 
they're going to win just enough games to piss off the teams that they beat. Like, <laughs> we, really? This is, we lose to the Jags without, yeah. without Leonard Fournette and Ngakwe and Jalen Ramsey? Like, this is the Jags team that we lose to? They're going to do, yeah. do just enough to bother people and mess things up for a couple and, teams. And, and also – also, this is a team right now with Minshew at quarterback that's going to piss off the front office. If they're not the number one overall pick, they're going to have to sell away a lot of those draft picks that they've collected. And I don't think that's their original plan right now. He's showing that, hey, I am here to stay. At least somebody's going to pay me $7, 8000000 million a year to be a backup before you ship me out. You could do a lot worse than Gardner Minshew as a backup. Yeah, you, I, you see, you saw a lot of that yesterday. Uh, with as many injuries as took place in the league. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill, though, if we can get back to him, because I I mean, I don't – I guess the, he's the thing that most excites me about the offense because for so long, I mean, Ramon, you obviously yeah. were in the league for, for a long time. You know, you know what the Titans brand of football has been. For me, though, covering them for the last five years since I've been in Nashville, like I hated to watch them play. Absolutely. Hated them. Hated you sound like them. my trainer, man. Oh. You sound like my trainer. It's like when, when I first took this job, the first thing he said, well, here comes a heartbreak. Like, what? <laughs> what? What Did you, you take a job in Atlanta? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, the Atlanta, the Atlanta, the Dirty Birds, they're not even the Falcons. They're the Chicken Hawks. They're just so – they're such a waste of space, that franchise. <laughs> I don't want to call them pigeons because, hey, that might be going too far. But go, go ahead, continue what you were saying because I, I, I see what you were saying as far as them being not what you wanted them. It was so much potential. Yeah. They've always been the, – the fan base is, is always, man, we're gritty, we're for them, but please don't break our hearts this year. And, and seeing the, the, the path that this team is on, I said it. Everybody is given the one and two. We know who one and two in the whole entire NFL is, at least in the AFC. Baltimore, Kansas City. Those usually aren't the teams that, that win it all. That pressure of having that bulls on your back, you're going to get everybody's best. Every single body's best. And the way you have this Titans team set up right now to where they have an offense, they have a defense that's growing right now. And having Tannehill as a stable body that says, if I got to create, I will. If we're going to run the ball with him, I'm okay. Heck, I'll throw for 220. I'm okay with that because this isn't about me. When you have a team that's like that, they find ways to win, just like this past weekend. There were some plays that could have gone the other way. You know, Gaskowski at the end of the game, he was a guy that, that we, there's question marks behind, but the way Vrabel is teaching, is the way Vrabel is, is, is reigning this team in, is showing them that, hey, we have a way that we're going to win games, and I'm okay if it's one point, three points, it doesn't matter as long as, we get the, as long as we get the win. And Tannehill's a guy that you can tell he doesn't care about his stats. Heck, we can mention him midway through the season. If he continues on and they're on a win streak, hey, he's in contention for at least some MVP uh, nods. But you can tell that's not going to be his MO. He's all about this team and just getting the job done. And when you have that type of mindset in which it seems like he has right now, that's what you're going to get. And teams are going to know what they're going to get when coming into the game. Running the game, play action, and stable non-turnover football. Jmart, they're turning into the league's worst kept secret, though. Like he, they got. I mean, honestly, Arthur Smith is is now receiving notoriety because because of uh, of the rehabilitation of Tannehill, and whether that's an Adam Gase thing, whether that was a Ryan Tannehill or the career thing, we you know, there's so much that goes into the success or failure of NFL players yeah. or an NFL team that people just don't seem to want to account for. 
how just the wide variety of things that can go right or go wrong in these situations. But now you're looking at you're looking at this offense. They since week seven of 2019. This is per Hembo uh, from Get Up on ESPN. Yards per play, they are first. Red zone percentage, they are first. Third down percentage, they're tied for second. Efficiency, third. Yards, third. Scoring, fourth. They are out here clubbing people. And it's a certain – I mean, it's an – after – just – I mean, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. Like, it reinvigorated my – honestly, remote. Like, I, I make jokes, but, like, there yeah. were – I sat there – in week six, before, when they benched Marcus Mariota, mm-hmm. and I, I, did oh the, I did the streaming primetime show from Denver in the press box, I'm like, they make football not fun. They that was like a wake. Sunday again. I can't change the channel on these guys, and now wow. they're out here scoring 30 ports a game, J-Mark. I mean, And dude, I don't know if they're going to be able to hang on to this coordinator. They were so dull to Ugh. watch. It was just like, oh, gosh, I want to watch Red Zone so bad, but I know I've got to watch the local team. But there's actual football being played that's going to be exciting somewhere else. It, it really – it is like night and day now. The Arthur Smith point I actually have written in my notes for tomorrow is one of our main topics on the show because it was Diana Rossini who said it, and then it was Dan Orlovsky that has said it this afternoon – Arthur Smith's going to be a head coach soon. And I made the point this morning based on Robert May said this from the ringer a couple of years ago in a conversation with Kevin Clark. He said, you'd better hire an OC, a great OC to be your head coach, because if not, you're going to be hiring OCs forever. Because if your OC is good, somebody's going to snatch that guy and give him a head coaching job. Whereas DCs, if you look at the last realm of like big hires, it was like Vic Fangio and Vrabel. And that's kind of been it. Outside of that, it's been, you know, the Matt LaFleurs and even Stefanski's, and it's been a whole lot of offensive-minded guys. So if Arthur Smith is good, yeah, he's going to get opportunities because that's what this league is now. It's geared towards the offense. It's geared towards guys that can layer, which is the word we heard all offseason long, and can maximize potential of people. And you look at a guy in Tannehill that was on the scrap heap. People were joking about how the Titans got fleeced last year, just bringing him in as the backup with what they paid, which was a dumb assertion to begin with. But if you didn't believe in Tannehill then, you could easily kind of couch the way you feel about him now by giving a lot of credit to Arthur Smith. And I think there's still a lot of people in the league, especially that cover the league, that aren't as sure about Tannehill, but are now really starting to sing the praises of the offensive coordinator. I'm fascinated, uh, Ramon, to see to see just the the shift in in who they have become as a football yeah. team because we've seen the first two games, obviously the 2020 season, and the game plan for the opposing defenses has been stop Derrick Henry. Now in Denver, you can stop him and he'll still get 116 yards. Against uh, against Jacksonville, they were run blitzing the holy hell out of Derrick Henry, and he got 84, but he met that 25 carry mark. At which yeah. point they are nine and zero, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know how much uh, Mike Vrabel kind of like uh, dismissed us for for focusing on things like that, on statistics like that. But to to think that there might be more that they can give you as a unit, as a yeah. as an eleven man offense, when okay, Derrick Henry is going to be slowed. We're going to keep him to about three yards a carry, but we'll go to Jonu Smith, and because the play yeah. calling is so on point. We'll be able to get two touchdowns out of Janu. You'll throw. You'll see one of the prettiest passes, one of the heart most difficult touchdown passes in the sport with Ryan Tannehill just Josh Allen in his face mask. He whips mm-hmm. it to Adam Humphrey streaking and one back to the end zone. 
and one baby, but then you still have these extra layers to your yeah. point, J Mart, where AJ Brown has not yet contributed anything to this offense. Anthony Ferkser may have been his favorite target last year and has contributes in spots, but you haven't needed him to do much more than that. Ramon, when you look at this offense and now through two games, understanding that it's a small sample size, where do you look for them to take yet another step based on what we've seen? I've, I've been kind of chiming it since week one about them is their tight ends. Jonu, Ferkser, those guys have to be huge. Michael, all of them have to be huge because I, I know this historically from teams around the league and from us in Pittsburgh. It was two things we had to stop when we had when you guys had uh, Mariota. It was stop him from running outside the pocket and stop Derrick Henry. That was yeah, th- th- like those things were it for him because if you did that, they became one dimensional. Now with the emergence of him showing that he is a passer, I said it earlier. Like I like him creating outside Tannehill, creating outside of the pocket but I don't necessarily want him doing it. I mean, get down, save yourself, because you are as dangerous to anybody with you being healthy. And that's been one of his things, staying on the field, staying consistent with those guys. The, the teams that are really good in this league, you've got to find ways to stop them. Uh, with with uh, Derrick Henry getting about 20-plus carries a game, that's huge. You know they're going to pound it on you. And when they do that, the play action opens all the way up. The, the emergence of this tight ends group, not even Humphreys, because Humphreys is, is a proven guy. He's made his plays. If he's on the field, he's good to go. But this young core of tight ends that they have right now is huge. And later down the line, you got to, if, if, if Derrick Henry is going to be getting those 20 plus reps a game at rushing, you got to have somebody that's able to spare him too. Whoever his backup is going to be that's going to emerge and say, hey, instead of these 20, 20, 20 to 25 reps, hey, we're going to give you 18, 15 to 18, because Saving him in November, December football is going to be huge for this team because we, you know he is a valuable asset. And keeping him healthy at some point during the season, I would love to see his backup emerge at some point because everyone back position can be fragile. Heck, we saw what happened to Saquon Mostart yesterday. Like, not saying McCaffrey. that. McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Like, that changes the whole horoscope of those teams because those running backs, as much as we want to devalue them, they are important to at least the structure and setup of what's to come on your offense. So I, I would love to see the tight ends continue to grow and whoever's behind Henry right now say, hey, I'm number two and coach, you can count on me whether it's pass protection or whether it's been a scat back. Somebody's got to get in there and give him a break consistently. Well, that's got to be Evans, right, Buck? I mean, you've gotten to look at him a lot more than anybody else, but I mean, Darrington Evans is a guy that can catch the ball first of all, is shifty and lightning quick in terms of his explosive nature. I think he's a perfect complimentary back and somebody that can spell Henry. He just he hasn't been healthy enough to be out there yet. Yeah, it's and, you know, I've seen him more than most people because i got to practice every day. Right. But even we haven't seen him because yeah. he practices one day a week. And, they, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying – and I understand um, – that that I that overreactions to rookies and hamstrings specifically, yeah. you just gotta understand the acclimation period that it takes to go from college to the pros. They, we've been through it uh, with Corey Davis. They've been through it with Rashawn Evans. They go. They're going through it now with Darrington Evans. And yeah, I think everybody's excited to see just how much more creative can Arthur Smith get when he's got a, a legitimate yeah. receiving back. One that you can split out wide. One that even if he, he is on the field as opposed to Derrick Henry, okay, he has the ability to run between the tackles, to run outside the tackles, to make plays as a running back 
and also add additional dimensions to your offensive system. I think that's that that to me is is the biggest fascination outside of Vic Beasley, who did this man, oh, yeah. you know, at MIA. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 I see the throw at practice, but the throw has yet to do anything besides make yeah. me feel, uh, you know, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Warm and fuzzy on game day, really. <laughs> well, and even then, like, is he going to be in shape when he's ready to go? Because at this point, you know, he's done his first two full practices. As a, We'll spend more time on the defense, but like yeah. this is, this is a this is a frustration that has got. I mean, it's a frustration for fans. It's a frustration for media. It's a frustration for the people who are trying to get him on the field to help him win football games. But Darrington Evans, absolutely, J Mart. I think uh, I think that is the next the next step for them to see how much more evolved they can get. What are you looking at other than that that backup running back position, though? Yeah, I mean, Ramon. I would say to put a pin on that on that uh, that take is Evans is. The hope for Evans is he's going to be what Deion Lewis was not. Uh, yeah. That's that. What, Deion Lewis. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I thought <laughs> I, when they got Deion Lewis, I, I was like, oh, that's a great pickup. Man, it just yeah. never worked. It just never worked. So you hope that that's happening for Darrington Evans. Uh, I mean, Corey Davis, he didn't have a huge game yesterday, but he contributed again. Mm-hmm. Um, Khalif Raymond just hadn't really – done anything in either one of these two games but Batson made me feel a lot better about things yesterday so that's yeah. that's something to take a look at uh I mean look in this league if you want to say something about Tannehill that's just kind of over the moon other than Russell Wilson nobody played better than he did yesterday at quarterback spot I mean, I mean Russell Wilson threw five touchdowns yeah. last night and is the best player in the world on Bill uh, Belichick no less like the degree of difficulty right. on that has to be outside insane <laughs> Yeah, and so, and some of the throws he was making were just preposterous. And a couple yeah. of the, a couple of the touchdowns Ryan Tannehill has thrown this season are around like twenty six percent on next gen stats in terms of being able to complete. So you look at just the accuracy there. I think it's just if they look like this before Derrick Henry really starts to take off, he's a back of yeah. attrition. He's a guy that mostly does his damage in the second half. I think sometimes we forget he usually also does his damage in the second half of the NFL season as well. So if they can pass their way to wins right now and then things start to open up around Halloween or a little bit after that, and they're they're just totally lathered up and ready in the passing game, nobody's going to want to see this offense at all. And then it just becomes a question of, well, once the defense gets healthy and once you get everybody back and then we can have the clowny discussion as well, then – is this team really, really a threat to either Baltimore or, or Kansas City, much less anybody else that's in the discussion for the AFC in those like three to six slots? Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh and New England. That's that's yeah. who and, else? And I Buffalo mean. a little bit. And Buffalo, Buffalo. real good. Yeah, out of nowhere. I mean, not out of nowhere, but still, the the AFC I think right now has the best conference, and I'm looking forward to seeing the Titans matchup with with Baltimore, with Pittsburgh. I mean, even Cleveland can be. Sketching the young guy, Burrow, if you're looking for a tester this year for this team to see where they actually are amongst the elites in the the league, which I think they're up there, this is the perfect year for it. And outside of that, I've said, too, they've run into a little bit of of breaks for themselves. No Von Miller the first game. You know, think about this last game right here. They're playing against not a backup, but he's a starter, but nobody's – Minshew hadn't solidified himself just yet. And there are some injuries right now in Minnesota too. Big injuries. Yeah. Anthony yeah. Barr again today. I mean, what a what a I know. Barr's out for Daniel. the year, and they already are missing. Um, Daniil Hunter is down. Yeah. Yeah. Hunter's out too. 
So, that, that, I mean, on, on championships run, I've been on one in 2000, uh, 2011. Certain things got to fall your way. I'm not giving them a crown yet, but I'm saying they take advantage of what's in front of them right now. Like, this could be a special year for them. And, of course, you got to go through the gauntlet of, of some teams coming up, but they're in that march also. And I said it from, from day one when, whenever we got on the air. They, they can be a special team considering the emergence of, of Tannehill consistently now. Uh, one one more thing on the offense, and then we'll move on to Beasley watch and 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 Clowney, whatever kind of shape he's in. If he's in shape, mm-hmm. if he's out of shape, whatever. Uh, Ramon, as a as an offensive lineman, would you ever, after a great day of uh, great day of pass protection through two games of an NFL season, would you ever uh, cite publicly that you have not yet received a penalty uh, <laughs> on social media? Do you is that an approach you, Ramon Foster, would make? <laughs> I would fly low, okay? I'm flying real low. Don't announce anything because then the flies are coming. It's just like when you're eating outside. You can sit out there all day, but as soon as you grab a bag of chips or something, here come the flies. And I feel like that can happen this weekend, but I know his history, Taylor LeJuan's history of, of saying – He listens to this uh, podcast. We're going to name name Taylor, you <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly. I know. Like, what are you I, doing? I, I know. Put it that target just, on your back like Rasheed Wallace, man. Dumb. <laughs> I know, but I know in his recent history of him getting penalties and he's gotten attacked publicly. I remember watching it last year and it's just like some of it's just bad breaks, you know, some of it's just bad breaks. And I'll say this too, on that touchdown play to Adams Humphreys, if you look at it, Taylor kind of had a little bit of a yank right there. So I think he said, I got away with one and hey, look at me now, but I wouldn't have announced it. You saw what I saw because I was watching the whole play like, there was a little bit of a yank to where I was like, oh, here it comes back, and it did. But I, I wouldn't do that. I leave the referees alone, man. I've never been fined by one, and I don't want that heat because one 15-yard penalty or 10-yard penalty can ruin a drive. You think about if he had gotten that hole right there. And maybe I didn't see what he saw on film today, but I'd, I wouldn't want to draw attention to myself. Man, Ramon, that is offensive line on offensive line slander right there. I mean, no. the number no. Twitter. We've already talked about this on the show. The worst Twitter is holding Twitter. Like it is a holding call that's not called or is called on every single play. You're just straight yeah. out in my man right here for no, should have been called. No, what, of, uh, I'm saying he got away with one. And if if you look at the tape, he would agree to. And I'm sure when they were in film today. He was like, okay, yeah, I got away with one. And and, and this is the beauty of, of that, too. Whatever move that that defensive man from Jacksonville used, he's going to see it again next week. So, yeah. the league is a copycat league, and he played really well, and that, and that entire offensive line has been playing well. I say you got four or five lines in the league that have set the bar. Tennessee's one of them. Pittsburgh's one of them. Indy's one of them. Baltimore and uh, Dallas. They're, that, those are my top fives as far as offensive lines right now. So there will be mistakes. Um, but with him, hey, kudos to him. He's one of the best in the game for sure. A quick word before we get back to Jason Martin and Ramon Foster about some of our friends making a return to the podcast. TennesseeTickets.com. Sports, concerts, they've gone away for a while for people to be able to attend. Obviously, COVID-19 has done us a great disservice in that regard. But as we get closer and closer to the reemergence of sports, our friends at TennesseeTickets.com now have ticket inventory for you to be able to attend or for you to be able to purchase 
your ticket to attend the Tennessee Titans hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers at Nissan Stadium. Head to TennesseeTickets.com. You can click on the Sports tab. You can find tickets available for Nashville SC versus DC United. You can find tickets for Nashville SC versus the Houston Dynamos. You can find tickets for the Tennessee Titans against the Bills, the Steelers, the Texans, all of these things available to you at TennesseeTickets.com. Check them out. Now back to Jason Martin and Ramon Foster. No, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I, I, I saw his tweet yesterday, and I'm like, yeah, you know what, credit where credit is due. Like, he's not, he is not a part of torpedoing offensive drives lately the way that he was, you know, when he came off the suspension. And we don't need to relitigate Taylor Lewan's past right. in terms of penalties. But especially for as arbitrary as penalties can be for those positions. Yeah. Man, I, <laughs> yeah. stay low, baby. Just that's, the Chris, that's the Chris Rock, man. That's the trying to get credit for doing your job, getting credit for doing what you're supposed to do. Well, I mean, and that would be hip- call it out. It would be hypocritical for me to not say that I do not constantly want attention and, and credit for how 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 good. I mean, like, listen, my my whole half my job is self promotion. Like I'm, I'm gonna cut him some slack because I'm out here patting myself on the back at every opportunity. Well, allow me to credit ESPN for that awesome Isaiah Wilson story that they broke a couple of weeks ago. I mean, with no with no dis. Respect at all intended to Teron because I know he wasn't part of it at all. And TD's great at what he does. That just that's just one of those moments that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I saw it that morning. I'm not bitter because I one like I I don't I'm not seeking out news like that. To yeah, that was a, that was a good tip that was given to me. I hated to nuke a, a, a young guy like that in the middle of what has already been a difficult first couple of months for him transitioning into the NFL. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be petty about credit. Like I am going, I am going to shout you down. I'm, I may not have the biggest of platforms, but I will find you and I will bother the Holy hell out of you born in these Twitter sewers, Ramon. Yes. Born yeah. here. That's straight up Liam Neeson from taken right there. I have a specific <laughs> set of skills. Uh, so speaking of him, since that was brought up and could, I mean, like you say, you don't want to make that because you never want to see it happen. But where is he on the practice field, too? Because if you look at it, if you're able to bring him in as an extra blocker, because, again, we know the Titans are going to run the ball. That's just like saying, hey, we got to prepare for Russell Wilson or Lamar. Yeah, because they're going to run the ball with their feet, okay? If they're able to bring him in and start grooming him at least and get some game experience, is he at least on the field right now? Or is he, I don't want to say doghouse, because I don't believe uh, Rabel has one, but will we see him this year? I think uh, I would push back on that Mike Vrabel doesn't have a doghouse. But, no, I don't uh, – he, Ramon, he can't be at the facility. He's still on a COVID list. Oh, my God. This dude – and and I, I don't know what's going on. But like, I feel like there's a knowledge gap, and I, I promise we'll move on to defense here in a second. And I don't want to – you know, I don't want to take more of your guys' time uh, than, uh, than I had – than we had planned for today because you guys have been generous. you already done a three-hour show, much less – uh, to come in. Hey, here. we're rolling, no, we're man. Good, man. man. I, got go. a, I got a partner now. You realize I'm talking about a third <laughs> of the time that I'm used to. It's freaking great. Yeah, cruising. But uh, so I feel Ramon and and, and Mart as well. There is I this this knowledge gap into into my ability to understand what's going on with these guys in this year yeah. more than any other year. I cannot. I don't know Isaiah Wilson in a way that I know Taylor Lewan or I know Adam Humphreys or I know AJ Brown because I spend mm-hmm. three days a week, forty-five minutes before practice, in there talking to these guys under normal circumstance. I don't know any of the rookies. I don't know Clowney. I don't know any of the free agents. 
because we do not have that access. For Isaiah, though, specifically, he's still on the COVID-19 reserve wow. list. Um, and this stay, his second stint on the COVID-19 reserve list, is considerably longer than his first. Yeah. They are not allowed to release whether he has, in fact, tested positive for COVID-19 or whether he's just been in contact with somebody. But at this point, given the, given the duration of his stay, the second time on the COVID-19 list, it is safe to assume um, that, there, that there are reasons to believe that he would be able to infect more players if he was to return, uh, return to the field. But even then, Ramon, like he's, he's, he's out of shape. Yeah. Um, he's just, he, he was third, third on that depth chart behind Ty Sambreo uh, in, uh, in, in training camp and, and understanding we don't get to see as much of, of practice as we normally do. During yeah. the, or I guess we don't see as much of practice during the regular season as we do during training camp. But what you saw of him was a guy who's, who's gassed, who, um, who is shell-shocked. Shell-shocked is a good word. But again, I don't know what to attribute that to because I don't know him in a way that yeah. I would know any of these other guys. So I see, truly, well, I, my not... heart breaks for him a little bit because I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what spot that he is in to be able to, 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 be able to lend actual insight to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, yeah, see, that's, I, that's Ramon, I was, I'm just going to put you out there and then I'm going to set you up and let you say this. But huh. you reached out and said, hey, yeah. I don't know who's mentoring this kid. And we don't. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's, he's got money for the first time in his life. He's from New York. He's super young. Probably came out yeah. a year before he, he maybe should have. That's why the Titans were able to land him where they were. But a lot of your success is determined by who you roll with. Like, yeah. you have to be around people that challenge you in the right ways and hold you accountable. And I don't know what his support system is. Just like you're saying, Buck, we don't know him. I don't yeah. know him at all, but I see trouble as a young man and somebody that needs some kind of a mentor. And Ramon reached out. Ramon yeah. reached out on the air, and he reached out on social media. It's like, if nobody else will mentor this kid, have him reach out to me. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm putting that out here on this podcast because Titans players listen to you, Buck. Well, and Isaiah's been on the podcast. Right. You know? So somebody tell him that an yeah. 11-year NFL vet who was undrafted – and then spent 11 years protecting Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, and a Tennessee native who plays his same position wants to mentor. All right, now I'll yeah. let him talk. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll just say this too. It was, it's been a weird offseason all the way across the board. It's been no contact. I'm sure they, they, they was virtual the entire time. So that connection with, let's say, Lawan and Saffold and, and Ben, like I don't know if they've been able to establish that through their time in camp, considering he was on the COVID list. He's a rookie. That's had, that has something to do with it also. I mean, just you got to earn your keep a little bit. And I'm not sure if he's – I'm sure he's not burned himself out with him, but that's kind of surprising that he's able to, you know, continually be on this little downward spiral. And as, as, as Jake Mar just said a second ago, you know, he's a millionaire. We can acknowledge that. His school, Georgia, is, what, three and a half hours right down the street. He's hit, he got in trouble doing college things at TSU. Like, he, he's got some growing up to do. He – and his biggest thing is he's just got to slow down. You got to realize, like, right now, I said it before, everybody's still rooting for him because you're the new shiny toy in the locker room. Like, the fans are still hopeful for you. He can't continue to make these type of, you know, little mistakes because next year is going to be a new shiny toy that comes into the locker room as a first-rounder. And they're going to forget about you. Next thing you know, you'll be in year two, th year two, three, and four, 
And I'm like, well, why isn't he playing? That's what happens when you don't write your ship soon enough. But to get to the point, I don't think he's bad. I think he's new to a lot of things. And it's freedom of not having to go to class. You guys know how it is. Not having any responsibility. And I said it before. You go from being a young 20-year-old to the apex of your family. That's yeah. a lot. That's a heavy weight. You know, I've, I've, I've heard, I know a guy that knows him kind of close. And he was just saying he's a great kid. He's just got to be cool. That's what I would hate. Just be cool, man, because I promise you, if you stay down and he's got one of the best platforms ever as being a first round, if you do what he's supposed to do, he's going to be more than set for his life, his kids' life, his grandkids' life. If he just be cool and do the job, man. And I, I would hate to see him get washed out, whether it's family pressure or whether it's just pressure of being an adult, finally. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm 27. I, you know, yeah. I'm nowhere close to have it figured out by any stretch of the imagination. I can't imagine the position uh, that he's been in. Let's, uh, let's go from one serious topic to one that may be, you know, less serious, but potentially for their uh, future playoff implications. The Tennessee Titans defense is hashtag not good yeah. uh, based on the last couple of performances that we've seen. We understand that injuries are a thing. We understand that COVID-19 has affected the preseason reps that these guys will get. And we understand that their big, biggest free agent acquisition uh, joined the team like 11 days ago. So how much, yeah. can really, how much can really be expected out of it? But they're playing games that matter against conference opponents. They'll have, you know, a, a, one of lesser value against Minnesota this week. But where, where J-Mart, do you start with this defense on the list of greatest concerns. Because I got people in my mentions after that game yesterday talking about defensive coordinator. Like, if you can't get home with the pass rusher, you guys can't cover in the back end. Like, what does it matter if you, get, if you got a different guy calling the plays? Yeah, I mean, Shane Bowen's not the one that's going to get to the quarterback. You know, and it's somebody on the field that has, that has to execute. The biggest Rable concern Mike. to me. Rabel Mike. Rabel <laughs> Mike. You're, you're right. Uh, the biggest concern to me is third downs. Yeah. When the Viking or when the Jaguars rather go ten of fourteen, and it's not third down and ones they're converting, it's third and seven and third and eight. You break a couple of those up and send them to the sidelines. All of a sudden, a three point win becomes a twenty point win because they fall apart. You don't give them the opportunity. You, you got to get off the field. That was going to be crucial in Denver, especially in the altitude, to try and just preserve energy and preserve oxygen and get those guys on the sidelines to the rest. But Third down is a severe concern, and going along with that, you know this, Buck. You know this, Moan. The way you win in this league is making quarterbacks uncomfortable from a yeah. defensive side, and they just don't have that. Uh, you th this was the stat that I threw out this morning. Pittsburgh yesterday against Denver, which was the Titans' week one opponent. The Titans barely got a finger on Drew Locke all game. Drew Locke got knocked out of the game on his 13th snap yesterday. The Broncos suffered 11 quarterback knockdowns and five sacks in the first half against Pittsburgh yesterday. Look at those two results yeah. in terms of how the Titans couldn't get home and how the Steelers absolutely just brutalized the Broncos on the other side. And then you see Minshew was kept pretty clean yet. And they got a couple of sacks on Minshew, but generally speaking – the pass rush was a concern but coming into the season, and it's still a gigantic concern right now. And, and you just hope, and I know that the expectation of the savior here is Vic Beasley and hopefully Jadevian Clowney, but, but Clowney's not a pure pass rusher. That's something we've learned as well through the years. So that, that's my biggest concern is getting home to the quarterback. 
Are those reasonable yeah. expectations for for Vic Be? I mean, what what is a reasonable expectation for Vic Beasley, Ramon? Like I'm, <laughs> I, I, I the, ultimately they want to platoon these guys, right? It's supposed yeah. to be in a perfect world. It's going to be Clowney, Landry, Beasley, Correa, Roberson, if his knee is right, and he's mm-hmm. uh, he's obviously still unavailable to them. And they're gonna they're they're they're, they're fighting uphill. Uh, at any case, if you're going to have three active outside linebackers on game day, that's yeah. that's not obviously going to lend itself to your advantage. But what what can be reasonable expectations for Vic Beasley whenever it is that he is available to them? He's got to he, he's got to come in and make a splash. He's got to be a guy that takes the attention off of Simmons in the middle and Clowney on the outside. The thing that, that, that got me with, with Clowney was this. I know he's not going to get you the high numbers, but his pressures yesterday weren't many. He played a big percentage of that defensive ball, and we didn't see a whole lot of what we thought we would see. And considering, I mean, he's still got to get acclimated, and he's finding his way on this team and his defense, he's mainly lining up on the outsides right now, which is, hey, I didn't think they had any all-world tackles on Jacksonville this past weekend, and he didn't really sniff too much. He had a couple of pressures here and there, but I thought he was going to eat those guys alive, and we didn't really see that. The, the, the front end of this defense and the back end of this defense have to work together. It, it, I think both are just the same in a sense of, hey, it's either feast or famine. Sometimes they're either working really good together or they're not. Vic Beasley coming in with the, the amount of time that he has to continue to work himself into being healthy, the amount of time he, he has to get his the playbook under him, memorizing everything that he needs to. He, when, how, how many reps he get in this game and these games coming up, they have to be at a premium. Like, he has to show up because their ability to cause chaos right now isn't looking too strong. And with the, the you know, with the offensive lines I said earlier, it's going to be a hard track to get to the quarterbacks if they don't figure out something really soon. Um, they have to be a team, like Jamar said, to get off. Those third downs cannot happen. Like, I, I know Coach Mack <laughs> said earlier on our show, he was like, he doesn't look at yards. Well, that's disheartening to see 400 yards on your defense. Even with a win, they've got to be losing their noodle right now because – you don't want that stat. You don't want to be winning games by three points and, and one point here and there because your defense can't get off the field. That's a long time to be out on those fields, considering they got to go to Minnesota again, Minnesota this weekend, and you got some running quarterbacks that's coming in to, to, to Nissan Stadium. Their attack has to be a whole lot more efficient than what it was. You, don't, you, you shouldn't have to need to worry about a guy batting the pass. Getting, you know, whether it's the blitz game, I saw Kenny Vaccaro got a little bit, uh, he, he got involved with the blitzing game, and he showed up in a way that they're probably going to need him the entire year if they don't find a way to get a rush a rush plan up front. Kenny Vaccaro, the 2020 Logan Ryan. Kenny like Vaccaro. That's, you know, I mean, it's just – it's it's uh, it's a it's a difficult position for them to be in because that's – you know, people people say, okay, well, why didn't you re-sign Logan Ryan? Why did you try Jarrell Casey? And and there are there are totally reasonable – explanations for both of those transactions I think you got the best out of both of those guys yeah I think you I mean honestly for for John Robinson to get out from under Jarrell's contract at the peak of Jarrell um I think was a little bit of wizardry and to let Logan's Logan Logan's contract expire having give having him give you the best of him over the past three years I think that's fine but where you see though their their absence greatest is experience, is continuity. Logan Ryan, yeah. no, you know, even if Logan Ryan's getting a little worse in coverage, he at least understands conceptually where he needs to be in position mm-hmm. to make a play. 
Now you've got, because of injuries to Adoree Jackson, who's on IR, you've got a seventh-round rookie and a second-round rookie, and both of them are seeing their first NFL action in weeks one and two, with no preseason and Fulton missing a little bit of camp. Up front, Simmons is a great player, will be a great player. Daquan Jones is wild. I, I don't know how many more. To, I don't know how much more long. How longer? I, how much longer I can call Daquan Jones underrated before he is yeah really uh, rated? Like it's the Damian Lillard thing. Like how how long did I? That was that? me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey man, brother. I get it. Yeah. Hey He's more but, just underappreciated nationally. Yeah. Like underappreciated. We know he. We know how good Daquan Jones is, but like. Dude in Montana that's watching NFL has no clue who he is. No that, I think, is the issue. Nose tackles and guards, Ramon, criminally underappreciated. We Under, could all agree. Yes. Anyway. Until, until we're talking about a rush plan right now. <laughs> <laughs> but that is where you notice the, notice the, the absence of those guys. And it, it takes some time for them to get to know each other as new parts on that defense. And time is – it's not a luxury that they are currently afforded. No, no. And we didn't get a chance to see them in the preseason where they were able to work through some of those things. At least with the preseason games, they would have been able to say, okay, well, I would have beat this guy right here. Or that plan is not as good. Or they, they would have been able to see a team that was similar to, let's say, Jacksonville, that they would have been able to play against or plan against in a sense of a game plan. So it could be, let's say, a little bit of not having film out there because no team had any film, no matter how vanilla – you can be in the preseason, which teams try to be, you, you still tend to show something. So, but I, I, I'll say this, I did expect more from this front line uh, than, than what they've shown, because in order to continue to be that team, which they're, they're trending in that way of being a, a top 10 consistent team in this league, that rush has to complement the entire team. And, and we know they got some, some guys in the back end uh, in the secondary. Um, but they got to be able to put some angst on the quarterback. Uh, Minshew was was he was kind of comfortable for the most part of the day. Very. Even when he was rolling out, there was nobody there to to really attack him. I know Jack Crawford ended up having the the, the sack on him on a real big hustle play, but that's a year nine guy who was still making plays. But what about the other side? Who who had contained? Why wasn't anybody smacking him in the face? That's something that that has to be addressed if they want to hit the gauntlet of this this uh, schedule coming up. Yeah, and Beasley, Beasley now, when he does play, he better be good. Like, yeah. the, with everybody that want, has wanted to see him as long as possible, the thing that I fear with Beasley, and Buck, I don't have his stats in front of me, but he really had one great year. Vic Beasley yeah. had, like, one really good year, especially when it came to the quarterback side of things. And I kind of feel like the danger is he's Bryce Harper who got a huge deal because of one great year with the Nationals. Mm. And then since then, he's been very inconsistent. And I think that's kind of the definition of what we've seen from Vic Beasley, inconsistent enough here that we've never even seen him. Like, I've never even seen him wearing a uniform before. So there's a whole lot expected of him. But right now, I think his biggest goal is come in and make people stop asking about Logan Ryan and stop trying this team. They They have to be good enough on defense getting to the quarterback that people stop waxing poetic about, oh, I miss Jarrell, and oh, I miss Logan Ryan. I think that's that's the crucial point is for Simmons to take the next step to be able to get to the quarterback in the way that we saw Jarrell able to do from the inside and then Beasley to actually play. Do something. <laughs> do something. Yeah. 
do something other than have incredible hair. The man has an incredible, like an outstanding. <laughs> it is fantastic. It's, it's majestic to see it out there on the practice field, but it's only been twice that I've seen it, so I can't even get him that much credit for that. <laughs> so we, we understand where they are um, through two games. We understand that it's a small sample size and that obviously they are, they are trending in a, in a direction where they continue to where they continue to be on the right side of these games that they mm -hmm. have for so long been on the wrong side of them, but they can't exist there for long. Uh, yeah. Who, who, uh, Jay, Jay Bart, I'll start with you. Who for you has to make the biggest impact in Minnesota for them to be able to continue what they've got going on right now? I mean, I tend to think it's probably still Tannehill because I mean, I know, I know if we're looking defensively, Vaccaro's been the MVP, I would say, uh, in the first two weeks. I mean, Eifert yesterday. got him. Eifert got him the first time because Minshew threw a perfect pass, and it yeah. was the old Kevin Durant defense where the reason Kevin Durant is so good is because at his height, being able to shoot from where he is, uh, you're not tall enough to get a hand on his shot. It's a so when you're throwing to it. Yeah, so when you're throwing to a tight end of Tyler Eifert's size and Minshew mm -hmm. puts it and he goes up the highest point – I mean, Vaccaro's just flat out not big enough to get up there. His hands are not going to reach the rim in that case. So, I, mean, I think he's been very, very good. But, I mean, I think it's going to be Tannehill because I still think they're going to sell out to try and stop Derrick Henry. Now, the yeah. flip side of that is I want to start seeing Derrick Henry look a little bit more like the rushing champion from last year. But, again, I, I still think the best is yet to come with him. Um, do you think we're actually going to see Vic this week, Buck? I know they're being real mum on it again right now. I mean, Vrabel was not not biting on that question earlier in the press availability. Zero percent chance. Uh, not oh. not with Vic Beasley. I would I would say, I would say I give him a less than fifty percent chance to play at Minnesota. Another guy that I, I want to see start playing a little bit better is Rashawn Evans. Uh, just man, didn't, I don't know what's his deal like. I, I don't yeah. either, man. I mean, when he got kicked out of the game, first off, that was boneheaded, and I know he realized it and apologized to the team, but he was darn near a non-factor yesterday. Uh, just yeah. he's he has to be better because we've seen him better and not seeing him make plays yesterday that that was frustrating Landry's doing his thing but you don't need Landry out there for 90 some percent of the snaps either uh, because of the depth problems right now a lot of guys are playing too much I think Clowney playing 83 percent of your snaps is probably not ideal either Jamar or uh, Ramon, let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you uh, a a schematic question from from the Derrick Henry perspective as a for, as an offensive lineman. What for for somebody like Henry, who it's clear that momentum is his greatest. It's not his greatest weapon, but it is such a crucial part of how effective he is. the The ability to line him up in the backfield or have him take take handoffs out of the shotgun. What's what's the what's the difference there? What are they trying to achieve when they line him up, you know, behind the fullback or directly behind Tannehill as opposed to on either side? Because I did he did have some success on those draw plays, on those inside yeah. zone runs, um, when they were able to get things moving in one direction or the other. What are they trying to accomplish with that variety, or is it just about the variety of what they're running? I think it's about the variety of what they're running. And I think they got to be smart situational with him, too. That third and one, oh, okay, oh toss play. Woo. That toss play, if it's, it's annoying your personnel thing. And it's not an attack on him, but maybe it's easy to say after the fact is, what, is, is probably what I'm saying. But I was so pissed at him bouncing that ball. And they knew, one, he was going to get the ball, okay? 
you toss it, you get him going, I get that's his thing. But watching him run, I've seen him hit down the middle and then bounce. He draws so many flies, okay? He's honey to, with that ball in his head. He draws so many guys. When he's downhill, they collapse. And then he's a guy that when they collapse, he's able to bend it and go outside. I think that's the best plan for him. Of course, you want to have him in some tosses, but he's a get-to-speed guy that's fast. He's not a fast guy that stays fast. He's a guy that, like you said, he's a momentum guy. So I, I'm okay with the inside zones where he's able to bounce it. Zone plays are actually designed to either front side to back side where he's rolling back side. Think about CJ2K. Yeah. They were running inside zone, but he was cutting it back. I think it's the same plan moving forward with, with Derrick Henry simply because he's got he's to get one or two guys off the rocker first. He's got to get the linebackers committing and his guys on the guy. Watching that offensive line move when they were double teaming up, I was like, okay, now they're surging. And when they're surging like that, instead of going lateral, they, he, he's more efficient to me. And I know they have some athletic guys up front, but Derrick Henry is a guy that's got to get a commitment and then bounce it. So th that's, that's what I would do, especially situational where it's third and one or second and four. Let him go downhill. First and ten, okay, then we'll – you're able to spread the defense out a little bit with the way you set up the uh, structure of your offense and then run those tall sweeps. But they got to be a little bit, I think, a little bit more smarter and committing to what he's good at. And, you know, it's still early, no preseason again, and, and they're, they're still growing as an offense. Uh, it's not even that they ran the toss play. I mean, it is that they ran the toss play, but it's <laughs> that they ran the toss play to the short side of the field. Like I got, I got vis in a way that I have not felt since Marcus Mariota. I got visibly <laughs> upset with what <sighs> I saw on the football field. And you know, if that's the, if that's the, again the greatest sin of Arthur Smith, then it's okay. Jake. Exactly, one play. And you know, I saw people talking about well, Jay Jay Gruden's having a much better day than Arthur Smith. Jay Gruden's been doing this for a long time. Jay Gruden yeah. had Andy Dalton look like an MVP for a hot second. I don't <laughs> think that Jay Gruden, by any stretch of the imagination, is any slouch. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned that this morning, same thing you just said, Buck, which is if you can point out a couple of bad play calls and the team mm -hmm. still won, then Arthur Smith's probably doing a pretty damn good job. Mm -hmm. Going to be okay. Going to be okay. Yeah. We, we have eclipsed an hour, and I will not keep you guys longer than that uh, because that's not fair of me to do, especially since you're not getting paid to be around here. But uh, I got to I gotta ask you guys, college football taking place the SEC actual college football taking place this this mm -hmm. this uh this weekend not the rest of this slop and not my embarrassment of a conference in the Big 10 mm -hmm. um what how do you feel about Tennessee this season how do you feel about their chances opening up at South Carolina Jay Bart uh, I feel like South Carolina is the most critical game of the entire schedule. Not because it it's first, but because in a 10-game SEC schedule, it seems like every year South Carolina is big. But Always. South Carolina, if you beat South Carolina and you do what you're supposed to do, after Alabama, which you assume is a loss, this team is 3-2 and two going into the back half and going into the one empty week that they have on their schedule. If they lose to South Carolina – I think a potential seven-win season can become a five-win season real quick. The momentum needs to be there from day one. Now, I, yeah. I feel good. I feel, I feel pretty good about this team. The one question that I have is how much of our optimism is based on potential and how much is based on what we've already seen? Because a yeah. lot of these guys, we are, oh, what great camps that they're having. Well, now they actually have to go out there and do that starting mm -hmm. on Saturday. I, I feel good about this football team. I, I feel like Pruitt's had them in the right direction. He's recruited well. They lost some great seniors last year. So I just want to see some of these new guys. I know what I'm reading, 
but I actually want to see that transpire. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun season. And college football to me hasn't started yet. I, I realize I have not been watching much of this. It just just hadn't felt right to me. It's not because of the lack of fans. It's because of the lack of teams playing uh, that are yeah. relevant. I think that, that that will change this weekend, even though your, your Big Ten is, is not going to be part of it just yet. Just, I mean, not, not that I was ever any great defender of Indiana football, but especially <laughs> since I lost that bet to David Reed and they cost me my hair – uh, in that in that ball game against Tennessee, I was I, I'm still recovering from looking like uh, male genitalia uh, from the uh, from the shaved head. Ramon, how you feel about your squad? <laughs> Not to go from penis talk to that. No, yeah, I was about to say we're, we're gonna need we're gonna need a little bit of a buffer between <laughs> a this. Yeah, no, 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 no. Straight. I told you, down and dirty. That's how this podcast goes, Ramon. Let's go. But no, I I, I feel I feel good about them. And but going into South Carolina is always. They're an afterthought team that happens to always beat people when they're not supposed to. Tennessee should beat this South Carolina team, but it's hard playing in South Carolina. The Carolinas have a lot of athletes, okay? And their team, this South Carolina Gamecocks team, is full of those guys, too. They play hard. They're gritty. It, it, it'll be that type of game. What I'm most interested in, in in this game has been the hoopla that I've been excited about is how this O-line and D-line performs. JG, whatever he does, hey, that's on him. But I want to be able to see a dominant force from these guys up front on both sides of the ball because if you've been saying it like I've been saying it, I've been watching it, I've been hearing it, Trey Smith is one of the best players in the entire country, okay? And seeing him and Cade and the rest of the guys be able to take a step to say, hey, if for anything, however many, however many games we're going to play this year, we're setting a stage to what this, this team, this school is going to be on the forefront of college football. I think that's what winning in South Carolina has to do for this team. And everything else just lines up from there. Uh, JG is a senior. He's a guy that, that's supposed to be able to lead his team. And, and they got a lot of experience on that team, young guys and older guys. And this should be something if they can pull it together with coaching, with being on the field, I see – I got them getting eight, okay? I'm okay with saying that. I, I'm okay with saying that because of experience. This man, that's, that's bold, out here man. in a 10-game SEC schedule where they got to play Auburn, A&M, and Alabama, and Florida at the end of the year, eight wins. I'm okay wins. with it. And Georgia. I'm okay. Okay. You, I'm a homer, too. No, Georgia right. is always an upset. Georgia, I never – Georgia is like, not even worried about Georgia. Look at him. <laughs> I'm not. Okay. A hundred percent not. Georgia always finds a way to drop the ball. And I'll say that because I don't have to play them. But yes, that's how I feel. I also think it's really cool they're finishing up with Florida. Uh, I, I love that. Because Finally. That, oh, man, that to me, the bookends of this season are crucial. If Tennessee can yeah. somehow win these bookends, you want to talk about a good feeling for this fan base because they're probably a seven win team. Maybe eight if Ramon – I don't know, man. Those are orange tinted glasses that I'm seeing in the bottom of the zip <laughs> right now. But uh, I, I, feel, I, I feel like this is the year that, that they need to actually tar- uh, start taking the steps in the right direction. Yeah. But uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing them play, honestly. There's, there's a lot of uh, – they've got some tangible skill now, Buck. I mean, we've had – Jawan Jennings was – Jawan Jennings wasn't lightning quick. He wasn't all that big. He just had monster heart. But now you've got these speedster wide receivers that a lot of us haven't seen yet, but – they're tangibly big in terms of, like, how fast they are and how dangerous they can be. I just want to see them get out there. I want to see what JG can do this year. I'm out and here. They on, Go ahead, Ramon. They, they, they honestly might have to take the Tennessee Titans approach. Pound it, play action it, and do not turn the ball over. I see a lot of similarities in the way these two teams correlate to each other. 
And they're a real good too. offensive line, and I am, I'm out here waving the flag for Eric Gray, for anybody who will listen to me. I agree, oh I agree a million percent, man. I'm, I'm super excited. We saw what he was capable of towards the tail end of last year. If he can go in there and do what we think he can do mm-hmm. with Chandler still there, uh, yeah, that, that's dangerous. Yeah, that's exciting to see. It is also exciting to have Jason Martin and Ramon Foster of J-Mart and Ramon, 6 to 9 a.m. Central Time on 104.5 The Zone, our friends over there, the flagship of the Tennessee Titans, the Tennessee Volunteers. They're chopping it up Monday through Friday on your radio dials and via podcast, wherever it is that you get your podcast, rate, review, and subscribe. Boys, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate yeah. you, uh, you hanging out. Uh, I won't ask. I won't ask too often, but I bother everybody else around here to come, uh, come help carry me on my own podcast. So I'm glad to be able to add you guys to the rotation. Yeah, man. Any, man, we we'll appreciate it. Buck. Yeah, man. Anytime, yeah. Buck. We we love what you guys do at A to Z. Uh, I've said this before. Uh, Austin and Zach used to be on the competition when I had my first show on Saturday mornings. They had A to Z Sports, and I thought it was a dumbass name. I'll just go ahead and throw that out there right here at the end. I was just like, oh, because their names are Austin and Zach. That's clever. Uh, but that, you know, and then you know they moved on and they started this thing, and I was like, how is this gonna work? Like how, how, I don't, I don't understand it. And I've sat there and I've watched those two guys grind. And I remember seeing them show up at one of our sports fest events a few years ago when I was still with clay before I came back to the zone, but I was still doing a couple of things. So I was there and I, I just went over to them and they, they were very kind to me, but I was just like, you guys are really busting it. Uh, I, I look forward to seeing what you can do. And now they've got this Dallas thing. They're breaking stuff constantly. I don't know if they sleep. Uh, it, it's amazing what A to Z has done. And you joining them doesn't surprise me a bit because you don't sleep either. Because by the time we're, our show's starting, you're dropping some horrible music that you're waking up to in the morning on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Get, get offended, brethren. I am. I am triggered. I am emotional. I am I've seen Cardi B pop up on your Cardi B do it. I am all about that. I'm all about, I'm all about that WAP and not in the way that everybody else does. Oh, all right. You That's the way to send it out right there. We'll, we'll do it anytime, man. It's been a lot of fun. That's how we put a bow on things around here, Ramon. I love it. Hey, thanks for having us. This has been fun. All right. <laughs> Okay, before we get to five good minutes on the Tennessee Titans, how they stack up against the rest of the AFC, and how the rash of injuries that took place in Week 2, I think, have already shifted the balance of power, I'm going to tell you about our friends at Tame the Beast. The promo code that you can use to save 20% off at GetBeast.com on all of their incredible grooming products is Beast2020. You can get great things like the Tame the Beast shave cream that I use every Sunday or Monday or Thursday, whichever get whichever game day that the Tennessee Titans have that I need to make sure that I look presentable, even if it's for no fans in the stands. I can't look like a slob in the press box. I got to groom boldly. I got to smell better. I got to use my Beast brand products like the Tame the Beast shave cream, sandalwood, black pepper, green tea, and vitamin B in my Beast Shaving Cream. I use it at least three times a week, and I use it because it is good for my sensitive skin. It's good for me, it's good for my scent, and it's good for my skin, and it's good for my wallet because you can save 20% off as uh, the same way that I do, you guys can too, with the promo code BEAST2020 
at getbeast.com. They present our Zoom and phone lines around here on the 615 Sessions podcast, and uh, they present uh, Make Me More Presentable, (laughs) just in general. They can do the same for you. Check them out. Five good minutes today. Because of all of the things, five good minutes seems to turn into, you know, evaluating the latest problem that has come down the pipeline. And in this instance, it is a result of an incredible amount of injuries in week two in the NFL. Bill Barnwell ranked the 21 most impactful injuries on ESPN.com and the 21 weren't even, didn't even begin to cover the full scope. You lost Nick Bosa, the 49ers pass rusher for the year. Saquon Barkley, too. Drew Locke, the Denver Broncos quarterback, is going to miss a couple weeks with a sprained AC joint. You saw Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver for Denver, also go down. Christian McCaffrey is going to miss a couple of weeks with a high ankle sprain. This was one of the Jimmy Garoppolo, also the 49ers, where he mostered like they just had guys. That's the only thing that the Jets did well is injure 49ers. Not that, of course, you anybody is looking to injure one another, but this is a sport where the violence is such that injuries, as Mike Vrabel will tell us all the time, have a 100% chance of happening. But now, given how many of these injuries have taken place and how many of them are in the NFC, I think we were already starting to see a shift in the dynamic of the balance of power in the NFL. The NFC for, I would say, the last you know, five to six years has felt like the better conference where the Saints, the Vikings, the 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks, the NFC West is just an absolute buzzsaw. Uh, and the Rams have been Super Bowl contenders, look like they're rounding back up into form. You have Brady now in Tampa Bay and a really, really good defense, a really, really good skill position group for him to be able to make a playoff push. But Drew Brees, what we saw last night, in the Raiders-Saints game was we have started to, it symbolized to me the the changing of the guard. Not that Derek Carr is going to be the new Drew Brees or that he's anywhere close, but Drew Brees, as he gets into his 40s, as he is into his 40s, signifies to me the aging out of the NFC and the transition of power to the AFC where the top two teams by consensus reside. Maybe you could make the case for Seattle, but Russell Wilson is the best thing that they got going there, and that defense is still pretty suspect. You look at the Chiefs, you look at the Ravens, you look at the Titans, assuming that they get their defensive issues figured out and that health is their ally down the stretch since they've dealt with a handful of injuries early on, conditioning issues for Clowney as well, and Vic Beasley still MIA. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Buffalo Bills, by consensus, I would say, are a part five of the top ten teams in professional football right now. The AFC is hugely top-heavy, and they have some bad teams like the Jets and the Dolphins. The Jags, I think, are just are just good enough to foul things up. We saw Gardner Minshew, what he could do against the Tennessee Titans and against the Indianapolis Colts. Now, of course, the Colts have lost Paris Campbell and Malik Hooker with uh, what are only being described as knee injuries for uh, Paris Campbell, the hooker injury, if I can uh, if I can bring it up quickly, I believe was an Achilles tendon, and that is that has been confirmed. But regardless, the AFC is the top-heavy conference. The AFC is the powerhouse in this sport right now, and that was only entrenched further 
by the rash of injuries that have been dealt out to contenders like Minnesota, who seems to have been falling apart, and Kirk Cousins has negative .35 fantasy football points on my ESPN app the other day, the 49ers obviously being decimated. Atlanta was never in the hunt, but they lost their starting offensive tackle. Bruce Irvin for the Seattle Seahawks has torn his ACL as well. This is a situation where the, the, the changing of the guard had already begun. But the thing that has further entrenched me in my position, that the AFC is the greater conference and that the greater balance of power lies in the AFC, only further entrenched by the rash of injuries that took place for contenders in the National Football Conference. I don't know if Saquon Barkley, Barkley was going to matter in that conversation. I know a lot of you think, think him to be the most impactful loss of any of those guys, uh, given that you know you probably drafted him high on your fantasy team. Nick Bosa, though, I think was the biggest loss out of all the players that we saw go down in Week 2, and it is unfortunate indeed. Five good minutes on this Tuesday on the 615 Sessions podcast. We thank you for your participation. We thank our guests, Jason Martin and Ramon Foster. Of course, you can hear them mornings, Monday through Friday on 1045 the Zone. Remember that you need to subscribe, rate, and review to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network, where you get the 615 Sessions podcast twice a week. You get the Tighten Up podcast on Wednesday, the Big Orange podcast, previewed South Carolina and Tennessee that will take place this Saturday. Actual, real college football back in our lives as of this weekend when the SEC teams take the field. Very exciting stuff. We're going to talk about it all over the course of the week. We'll have more good guests coming up on Thursday's edition of the pod. So in the meantime, I need you to stay clean, stay safe, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions podcast powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. <laughs>